Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Say Zade is April 30th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, today we'll be having the second day of the NFL Draft, but in today's episode, I'm going to be going over day one. So we have the first round of the NFL Draft. The Dolphins, of course, had two picks and ended up being pretty exciting picks. We had an opportunity to listen in on the Zoom press conference afterwards, so I'm going to talk about some of the quotes they had to give and what this could mean for the team moving forward. And then just from across the league, we had a few teams do some very interesting and exciting moves and other ones do uh, things that we weren't necessarily expecting. So we're going to be going Going over all of that, but of course, we will begin and put more of an emphasis on what the Dolphins were able to accomplish in this draft in the first round. Now, the Dolphins had the sixth overall pick for a little bit of a flashback here. They had the third overall pick uh, initially. They traded down. A lot of people were kind of skeptical at that point. Did Chris Greer maybe make a mistake? Well, the way this draft began unfolding, there were a good amount of people that were very worried. We saw the Atlanta Falcons go and get Kyle Pitts at the fourth overall pick, and then we saw the Cincinnati Bengals, like many people expected, land LSU receiver Jamar Chase. So it kind of put the Dolphins in that awkward spot where they missed the two top primary pass catchers that were available and left them in this awkward spot where they could go for Penny Sewell, they could go for Devontae Smith, or they could go uh, they could go for Jalen Waddle. But a lot of people saw that as something that may be viewed as a regretful decision trading down from that number three spot to the number six. But regardless of all of that the Dolphins at the number six overall spot were able to land Alabama receiver Jalen Waddle. He of course has some experience with Tua. So uh, there's a video I posted on my Twitter where Tua is extremely excited to get one of his former receivers back and add him to this team. If you guys know Jalen Waddle, his draft stock began skyrocketing in large part because of his blazing speed and his ability as a big play threat. And if you look at his time during Alabama last year, of course, we all know how much of a stud Devontae Smith was, a Heisman winner, and was just tearing apart the league. But before Jalen Waddle left the season with an ankle injury, Jalen Waddle was neck in neck with Devontae Smith in terms of his impact, in terms of the numbers he had. If you look at his first game against Mizzou, 134 yards and two touchdowns. The following game against AM, he had 142, another touchdown. The game after that, 120. And then his last game before the injury, he had 160 one yards and a touchdown. So Jalen Waddle was very much lighting up the college football scene, and many could argue that he was having just as good of a season as Devontae Smith prior to his injury. Now, in the national championship, he didn't necessarily have much of an impact, and that is because he was out there with an injured ankle. A lot of people, if you remember and reflect back on Twitter, there were a lot of posts who were just begging him to get off the field. A lot of people were saying, you have nothing left to prove. Uh, you know, you have done a good job enough. Just stay healthy. Get off the field because he was visibly in distress, kind of limping around out there. Now, somebody asked him about it in the press conference afterwards, where they asked him if they think that him showing his toughness in that moment, if it helped his draft value. And he said, honestly, I just played because I love to play the game. I wasn't worried about how it came off to anybody. I play because I want to play. And it's quotes like that from Jalen Waddle that kind of overall summarize the feeling you get from him, that he is somebody that he doesn't like to really entertain the nonsense. He doesn't really like 
like to play in uh, to these media games or be skeptical about anything. Uh, he is not necessarily that person. People asked him, do you feel like you're the fastest guy in the NFL? And he says, frankly, I don't know, but I don't even really want to entertain the question. Now, those weren't the exact words he said. You know, I'm kind of paraphrasing a bit there, but generally those were kind of the, the comments and the sentiment that you got from Jalen Waddle. With a lot of these questions, he's just strictly here to do his job and that is to play football. And I think that's kind of a mentality that a lot of people are going to be in favor of. As I mentioned, the guy has blazing speed. There's a video of him uh, racing his former teammate from Alabama, Henry Ruggs. If you remember, Henry Ruggs was a smaller guy, but he ran a 4-2-9 40-yard dash. And these guys were neck and neck, just about the same speed. And then Jalen Waddle is even bigger in terms of his stature than a guy like Henry Ruggs. But it was things like that that could you could see why his value would skyrocket when it came to draft day, just because the NFL is trending more and more towards speed and just the potential of having a guy like that into your offense and adding him there could be a huge addition for the team's downfield ability. And that's one of the main things that I think I'm excited for when I look at this Jalen Waddle addition for Miami, because something I mentioned on Twitter, the Dolphins were 30th in the entire NFL in passes beyond 40 yards. They only had four all season. There's only two teams that had fewer passes of 40 plus yards. And if you look at the moves they made this season to address that problem, they bring in Will Fuller, who's one of the more dynamic deep threats in all of football, and then Jalen Waddle, who can absolutely turn any play into an absolute home run. So I'm very excited about the addition of Jalen Waddle here. Some people may say that they missed out on a guy like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, so they didn't get the absolute best case scenario. Only time will tell if that is the case, but when it comes to getting a guy like Jalen Waddle, at least from the physical side, what he is able to do as a player is very exciting and I think is enough to warrant people kind of... Uh, calming down and seeing how it plays out. I am frankly very excited about the addition here. So we move on here to the next pick at pick number 18. And this was a pick where the Dolphins could have gone several different directions. You know, they traded Eric Flowers two days ago. So were they going to go out there and fill this need? Are they going to go and get a running back like Najee Harris at 18? Or are they going to get uh, an edge player to fulfill that need. If you remember during the offseason, the team elected to move on from Kyle Van Noy. They no longer have Shaq Lawson either. There is a glaring need at the edge position, and the Dolphins elected to address that need at this spot right here. And they went after University of Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips here. This was a guy that people were extremely big on, especially people who are from the local area in Miami, and they were just ecstatic with this move. Many people in including Chris Sims, called him the best defensive player available in this entire draft. And I don't think anyone can make a good argument as to him not being that. The guy is an absolute talent, and there is only one reason why it was even a question how far he was going to fall, and that was his injury issues. To kind of give you guys a little bit of a reminder about what happened in terms of his injuries, he at one point retired from football due to having several concussions, and that was when he was a member of UCLA. Since then, he kind of had a resurgence when he returned to Miami, and he played at an extremely high level. And in the press conference after the draft, uh, they asked him the same thing. They asked him about those previous injuries, and he said, quote, I had two concussions at UCLA, but I play football. It's a physical sport. You ask anybody that plays, they've had concussions. I had nothing to hide, and I was forthcoming with everything, close quote. So basically, he's saying here the team is very aware. Uh, they apparently did their due 
due diligence with this injury. I kind of mentioned in the mock draft how serious it is when you are dealing with concussions, but all we can really do at this point is trust that the Dolphins made a good judgment call here in terms of his medical past. Again, very serious injuries, but if the Dolphins viewed this as something that was worth taking the risk on, then I'm all for it and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So listening to him in this press conference afterward, the guy was completely ecstatic and you can tell he is just frankly very in love with the city of Miami. Uh, they asked him about uh, his general feelings about returning here and he said, words can't even describe how I feel right now. I'm so grateful to Miami as a city. When he was asked about coach Brian Flores, he said, quote, he seems like an extremely genuine guy. I'm just excited to be back in Miami, back in the 305. Another little gem of a quote here, he said, Los Angeles made me, but Miami saved me, close quote. And overall, you could just tell he was ecstatic, extremely grateful. He referred to this as being God's plan, being back in Miami. And they asked him about his new teammate uh, in Jalen Waddle, and he said, quote, he's a dog, he's electric. That's one way I would describe him. He's just a stud, close quote. So overall, to wrap it up, the Dolphins get an absolute playmaker on the offensive side of the ball and a guy who has potential through the roof on the defensive side of the ball as long as he can stay healthy. I think Brian Flores is going to be doing some interesting things with Jalen Phillips. And even though some people have kind of knocked the idea on edge guys in their rookie season, being able to have an immediate impact and they're more uh, guys who are limited in terms of their snap availability. I think Jalen Phillips is a guy who looks very pro ready when you kind of look at him. And he is somebody who I think could have a larger impact right out of the gates and more people are kind of giving him credit for. And I do think addressing this edge need was way more important than going after a running back. Some people may not be in favor of me uh, taking that stance here, but just overall, it was too much of a gaping hole. The defense was too important to the team's success last season. I don't think they could have entered the season with that massive void at that spot there and expect to replicate the same level of success that they had uh, last year. So I think this was the right move. I mentioned the running back position a little bit there, so I'll begin with discussing that next. Um, and that is because the Pittsburgh Steelers at pick number 24 took Najee Harris, and then a massive surprise came at pick 25. The Jacksonville Jaguars elected to pair Trevor Lawrence back with his running back in Travis Etienne over there. And that is shocking because they had such an amazing season from rookie James Robinson that it was a little bit shocking to see them go after yet another running back here. So as you could imagine, that's when panic started ensuing on Twitter. A lot of people are uh, very worried about the Dolphins' ability to fill this running back need that they have. Javante Williams is the clear consensus best guy left available, but even he may not be available uh, much longer when you consider that the Jets are coming up right there. The Dolphins very well would have to trade up uh, to pick number 33 with the Jacksonville Jaguars, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. I'm a huge fan of Javante Williams. I don't think they would necessarily have to break the bank to trade up and get him there, so I would be in favor of them going that route. But a lot of people were kind of worried here saying, okay, I guess the Dolphins just don't value the running backs at all. And that's kind of something that I've been sharing now for over a year, that when you look at the Dolphins and people kind of attaching this Patriots influence with the new Dolphins regime here, if you go back and you look at the running backs the Patriots had while Brian Flores was a member of the team over there, uh, the running backs they had were Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Stevon Ridley, Jonas Gray, LeGarrette Blunt, Deion Lewis, James White, Shane Vereen, Danny Woodhead. So it's entirely possible that uh, Brian Flores saw that and he says that, okay, if New England 
England had success without a star running back, maybe I'm going to carry that same mentality over here to Miami. And then uh, somebody who I interact with a ton on Twitter, and I don't want to shoot down your idea, that's not what I'm doing, but he said uh, that, okay, but New England had Tom Brady. And I agree with that. You know, I don't think the Patriots win those games without Tom Brady. But nonetheless, that doesn't necessarily change my stance that I think overall the NFL's view on the running back position in terms of its value is just plummeting over the years more and more. And I think we saw that last year when the first running back off the board was at pick 30. And then the year before that, uh, we saw Josh Jacobs at pick 24 be the earliest running back. But then when you look at some of the teams that are winning Super Bowls or that are in Super Bowls and having success, they don't always necessarily have these star running backs. I mean, you look at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl, they had a former Dolphin Damian Williams over there, who many would argue should have been the Super Bowl MVP. You look at the opposite uh, opposite side of the field. Who were they playing? The San Francisco 49ers who were rolling out there with another former Dolphin in Raheem Mostert. And then you look at some of the other teams. You know, the Patriots uh, put the team on the back of James White when they won their Super Bowl. You look at the Philadelphia Eagles uh, when they won their Super Bowl. Who they have out there? They had LeGarrette Blunt. They had a little bit of Jay Ajayi mix in there. And they had Corey Clement. When you look at the Rams over there when Todd Gurley wasn't able to play, uh, they were relying on C. CJ Anderson to carry him to that spot. So even though that I think the running back position, if you could have a star running back, of course, everyone would appreciate having it. But I think more than anything, it's a luxury position and it isn't necessarily the biggest need that a team should have. I think filling a need like that edge need is more important. And again, I think something that may have hurt the perception of that running back position with Brian Flores, they brought in Jordan Howard. They brought in Matt Breida. I think everyone could agree that we expected them to have uh, the bulk of the work that we expected them to be the guys, yet who were the most effective guys? It was the seventh rounder, Miles Gaskin, and the undrafted Savan Ahmed. I cannot see any sort of situation where that helped his perception of the running back position in terms of being one that they need to address in some sort of grand fashion. But overall, I still hope the Dolphins can make a move for Javante Williams. There's a few other running backs left like Michael Carter and Kenneth Gainwell, who I'm not necessarily in love with, but could be solid additions. But Overall, I mean, it very uh, very well may be likely that the Dolphins enter the season and we see another heavy dose of some of the other guys that may not necessarily be star running backs. So to briefly discuss some of the other picks from around the league, pick number one was an obvious one. As mentioned, the Jaguars went with Trevor Lawrence. That's an awesome pick for them. One of those elite level prospects on a level that the league has only seen a handful of times. A guy who could truly change the whole culture over there and shift the trajectory of that entire franchise. A lot of people had the Jets going with Zach Wilson. I elected to have them going Justin Fields. It turns out the experts in this case were right. The Jets land Zach Wilson with the second pick out of BYU. Kind of a shocking move here. Trey Lance, somebody who I viewed as still kind of a raw talent, but regardless, his arm talent, there's a ton to love about him. I just think he needs to be polished a little bit more. The San Francisco 49ers elected to pick him at number three. As mentioned before, Kyle Pitts went at pick number four. Four. Jamar Chase was picked up by the Bengals. Penny Sewell ended up going pick number seven to the Detroit Lions. J.C. Horn went pick eight to the Carolina Panthers. Pat
Patrick Sertan, the second cornerback out of Alabama, landed over there in Denver at pick number nine, which is interesting because Justin Fields was still available. A lot of people were talking about their quarterback need. They elected to go another season, either rely on Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't draft a quarterback there. Pick number 10, the Philadelphia Eagles elected to trade up in a rare instance inside their own division with the Dallas Cowboys, and they landed a receiver finally. A lot of people knew they were going receiver here. They get Heisman winner Devontae Smith, the Slim Reaper, at pick number 10. Pick number 11, just an absolute match made in heaven. I really want to shed tears of joy for the fans of the Chicago Bears because they were going to head into a season, presumably only with Andy Dalton, and that was something worth crying over. Well, they ended up getting Justin Fields, a gem, fell in their lap here at pick number 11, Justin Fields to the Bears. That's an awesome pick. Now, pick number 12, another one that I absolutely love. That was the Dallas Cowboys landing Penn State linebacker Micah Parsons. And if you remember, this comes just days after their other star linebacker, also from Penn State, Sean Lee, elected to retire. Pick number 13, where Sean Slater is picked up by the Chargers, getting Justin Herbert some help over there. Then we move on to the next pick here. The New York Jets picked up Elijah Vera Tucker after trading up to the 14th pick. He's the guard out of USC. Solid move there. Another move that a lot of people had in their mock drafts, including myself, here at pick 15, I mentioned all offseason, the Dolphins already created, or Dolphin fans, I should say, created a rivalry with Mac Jones just single-handedly on the basis that he was a quarterback at Alabama, and that's kind of comparable to Tua. Well, Mac Jones was picked up by the New England Patriots. He goes into the AFC East, and it keeps this rivalry alive. So that's going to be something interesting. A lot of people are very happy with this from the Dolphins standpoint because they don't view Mac Jones as the greatest prospect, and I share that same sentiment even before he ended up becoming a member of the Patriots. At pick number 16, the Cardinals went with Zayvon Collins, the linebacker out of Tulsa. Pick number 17, a little bit shocking here. A lot of people saw Alex Leatherwood as somebody who would fall into the second round. He was supposed to be a top 10 guy in 2020, elected to stay in college. He gets picked up here at pick number 17 by the Raiders. As I mentioned, Jalen Phillips went pick 18 to the Dolphins. At pick number 19, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, landed over there in Washington. Kadarius Toney, an interesting pick here, a wide receiver, landed by the New York Giants at pick number 20. A lot of people had the Giants going after a wide receiver, but Tony was somebody that most people expected to fall into the second round. It's very interesting to see him go above players like Rashad Bateman, ahead of guys like Terrace Marshall, and even guys like Elijah Moore. He ends up getting picked here at pick number 20. Now, somebody that I loved here goes at pick number 21 to the Indianapolis Colts, and that is Michigan edge rusher Quiddy Pay, who landed over here in Indianapolis at pick number 22. Despite the Tennessee Titans having this glaring need at the wide receiver position, just having nobody left over there, they elect to go after defensive back Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. A very interesting move. At pick number 23, the Minnesota Vikings land Christian Derrissaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Now, a painful pick comes here at pick number 24. As I mentioned earlier, Najee Harris goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is another one of those that makes absolute total sense, I think, for the Steelers. It's a match made in heaven for them. They are a team that relies heavily on that running back position. Najee Harris can do it all, and I just think that he is going to thrive in that offense. I'm happy for him. He seems like a good guy, and he's going to have plenty of opportunities, especially 
especially when you consider uh, that the Steelers no longer have James Conner over there. Now, as mentioned, the Jaguars picked up Travis Etienne in quite a bit of a shocker. At pick 26, Greg Newsom is picked up by the Cleveland Browns, a cornerback out of Northwestern. Pick number 27, the Ravens have needed a wide receiver for some time. They end up getting Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. I think that's pretty good value for them, and I'm excited to see how he does in Baltimore. At 28, Peyton Turner, the defensive end out of Houston, gets picked up by the Saints. And at pick number 29, the Green Bay Packers, who absolutely refuse to get Aaron Rodgers, a wide receiver in the first round, continue to do so by picking up a cornerback in this spot. They pick up Eric Stokes out of Georgia, which may not be the worst value ever. But as I mentioned, when you have all these talks about Aaron Rodgers wanting out, you know, I'm not sure whether or not he will be traded. All the reports are saying that the team is refusing to trade him, but he wants out and he wanted to go to San Francisco. Now, of course, after the draft, it doesn't seem as likely that that's going to happen, especially not to San Francisco. I guess him going to a spot like Las Vegas or maybe even Denver could still make sense over there, but I'm not sure how likely it is he will be traded. And I kind of speculated a little bit on Twitter that maybe this was Aaron Rodgers' way of telling the Packers, you guys better go out there in the first round and get me a wide receiver since this whole report dropped right there on the eve of this draft. But at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers elect not to do that and they end up picking up a cornerback here. Now we move on to the 30th pick of the NFL draft. This was a pick that a lot of people were worried about. Are the Buffalo Bills going to go after Javante Williams and put a dagger in the heart of Miami Dolphin fans everywhere? They elected instead to pick up defensive end out of Miami, Gregory Rousseau. Another pick that I think is pretty good value and it's kind of scary to think about him over there in Buffalo, but overall Javante Williams stays alive, so the Dolphins had the possibility of still uh, trading up to get him in the second round. At pick 31, the Baltimore Ravens get Jason Owe out of Penn State, and to wrap up the first round of the NFL Draft, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick up linebacker Joe Tryon. So overall, just an extremely exciting first day of the draft. Moves like Trey Lance getting picked up at number three is pretty exciting for San Francisco fans. Uh, of course, the gift of Justin Fields, I think, falling at pick number 11 was huge. Micah Parsons to the Cowboys was also a great move. And I think the Dolphins did, uh, they may not have gotten the absolute studs they wanted like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, but I think there's a ton of potential with the guys they got. They got guys that may be viewed as a little bit more risky, but the upside that both of these guys present is just astronomical. The things that they could do is huge. And with the track record of Miami being able to really uh, develop some of these younger guys, I'd be willing to bet on them getting the most out of these guys early on. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at Via The Source. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review. It helps a lot. Uh, it helps me get a little bit more exposure and to build the audience a little bit. So that means a lot and it helps a ton. If you could do that, that would be awesome. Uh, if you have any questions or topics you would like for me to discuss in future episodes, feel free to reach out. I promise I will discuss it in the following episode if you send it to me. But overall, guys, I think it was an awesome, exciting day. That is how I'm going to wrap it up, though. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.